Lord, we thank you for this quiet moment here, this quiet hour where we can hear the calling, we can hear the, the tender tones of a, a loving shepherd, a faithful savior, an all-wise, all-knowing Father in heaven who's calling his children to experience more of him. Thank thee for this second opportunity to read thy word, to be fed from it. Oh, how we need this, dear Father. We need to be together. We need to be around thy word. And dear Father, it delights our hearts to have this opportunity. We know it's not anything we can bring, dear Father, that gives this blessing, that fills our hearts. It is thy word. It's the moving of thy spirit through lips of clay in fleshy hearts, dear Father, that have been renewed and made new by thy spirit. We pray for those that are outside of this, those that are just on the edges who hear this, who maybe are following Christ from afar, as we heard this morning. Lord, draw them closer through thy cords of love, the most powerful force in the universe, the power of love that was shed 2,000 years ago, dripping down a wooden cross for the sins of the world. Oh, we thank thee for this, dear Father. We pray the message of the cross would go out today and as, as long as thou wouldst deign until thou wouldst return again to fulfill, to consummate all of the promises, all of the hopes, all of the longings of thy children. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to read with the Lord's help out of uh, Philippians, the epistle to the Philippians, chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, 
if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I've read to the end of the chapter. Uh, may God bless the reading of his word. Truly one of my favorite chapters, Philippians 3. It's so inspiring. And I was drawn to it, and I think prompted to it, by the leading of the Spirit, I believe, um, due to a book I've been reading. Now, let me just relate some of the circumstances there. I had a chance to um, go to a, a bookstore, a large bookstore in downtown Toronto. I haven't been there for five or ten years, maybe. Um, do some browsing. I had a little time. And as, as my want, I, I went over to the religion section, Christianity. I was just browsing the books, looking over the different titles, and just skimming the titles as I went by. and I mean, I didn't open too many of the books, but you get the sense that 90% of the books in that religion section, in that Christianity section, were more about why not to believe the God of the Bible than anything else. They were more about finer points, maybe, of theology or a religion, quote-unquote, that really missed the heart of the matter, the, the matter of the heart that the, the glory of the gospel message is really about, that it changes you. It, it, it makes you a new person. If any man is in Christ, he is a new person. As I skimmed over those titles, I thought, oh, this volume of books that are here, how useless. And I wandered over to the opposite end of the store, and there was an odds and ends section there, just a mixture of different books, not any particular rhyme or reason why they were collected together. And I found one little book, maybe about this size, that was printed in the 1950s, written and printed in the 1950s, in Toronto and in Pennsylvania or something like that were the publishing places. And it was written by someone named Isabel Kuhn. Was, the title was By Searching. I, I took that book home with me. I thought this is one I want to read. Short little book. And I've been reading through, I just finished it. And it's the, not the life story, but the first part of the life story 
of a woman who ended up serving over 30 years in, in China, in the China Inland Mission with her husband, John, in the one part of, of China that borders Thailand and Burma and all the rest there among the Lisu people, 30 years. And this is the story, this was her story of her conversion and her initial Christian walk up till the point that where she left uh, um, North America to go to China in 1928. So she served for around 30 years. And I thought, what this woman learned and found out by searching, by searching God's word, by searching within her heart, by listening, she found and learned so much more than all those books in that other section about religion. All the, I don't want to just be anti-scholarly or whatever, that those books, maybe they have, they place some of them, some of them are trash, they should be treated as such. But I thought, this is the surpassing excellency of the knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, my Lord, that she had learned. And I thought, this accords with what Paul experienced and what he was trying to convey in these, these verses here about what he, was, what, what he was all about and what he was searching for. And, um, it prompted me to look within myself and to ask, how am I growing as a Christian? What are the marks of Christian growth? Am I growing in the same way that this young woman grew? Maybe with the Lord's help, we can think about a few of those things this afternoon hour. I think one of the things that stands out about that account that I read and this account here that Paul tells to the Philippian church is that growth in Christ is about increasing knowledge of him. And even that word knowledge is a bit misleading. You know, when you know about something, you increase your knowledge in a particular field, you study in it, you read about it, you learn things, you think, okay, now I know more about it. But this is not that kind of knowledge in the sense of just to know things about Jesus or about God. Where does he say here? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, that I may know him, verse 10, and the power of his resurrection. This kind of knowledge is, it's the ultimate knowledge. Everything else that you can learn and know in this world is just a pale a shadow. All of, of the real, true things that you can discover in this world, they all point really to this knowledge. They're, they're all kind of in some sense a dim reflection of this knowledge of Jesus of knowing him, who he is. You think even all the relationships, even the closest relationship, your relationship with your spouse, even that is just a shadow of this knowledge, this experience, this knowing of Christ. This, this intimate, daily listening, hearing, walking with him. And that's the sense I got as I read this account, as, as of a person walking close with the Lord. We heard this morning about following Jesus from afar and how that's not a good position to be in. You kind of like the things about him. You, you, you like certain things, but you're not that close. You're not close enough to hear him and, and to, to, to sense his, his will, his, his, his moving, the day-to-day -day interactions of the, the different things you do. And Isabel 
she likened it to being, she, she quotes a, a poem, maybe I can find it and read it for you, just a short little poem about there being a way, there being way, a way and ways and a way given to all men, the high road or the low road or the misty in-between road, the misty flats, as it were, and how she wandered around in those misty flats, not really believing in Jesus, kind of still liking him, not really believing all these things in the Bible that they're all true, not really believing in the power of a, of a living God to, to change and affect your life, and kind of getting along with other people, having a good time, all in this murky, flat middle. Not really going low, not out and out sinning. She was still a good girl. Others thought she was still a Christian, but not walking the high road with God, the one that was close to him, being close to his face, not having and pursuing this knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I got to think, first and all, first and foremost, that's what growing in Jesus is all about, is knowing him more and more. Is that really your consuming passion, my brother and my sister, is to know him more and more? I ask myself that. Is that my all-consuming passion? Is it to know him more in everything that I do? Because those times when he seems to be silent and distant and things get cold, then those times are times of drawing, actually, of, of, oh, I am far, I am straying from him, I need to return. What is it, Lord? What's causing this distance? Why is there a, 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 not a hungering for your word? Because this knowledge and this knowing of Jesus Christ, we're talking about knowing someone who cannot be seen, someone who we can't touch, we can't feel, we can't audibly, 99% of the time, hear his voice. So how do we know such a person? It's the simple, by praying and by reading, those simple things. And this is a bell she related in her conversion to just how important those were. She started praying such a weak prayer, such a almost faithless prayer of God, if you're real, God, if you're there, and even from that point of an almost faithless prayer, just a little bit, God responded in miraculous ways. He answered her prayers to show that he was there. He is the real, true God who knows each of us intimately, hears each thought, each murmur of the heart, each mourns over each straying from him. That God showed her this Isabel, that he was real. You know, Paul had it. He thought he had it all together. He thought he was a good Jew. He had all, all the way down, but he had no knowledge of God, no real knowledge of who he really was. He talks about his former state as one of ignorance. He just didn't know. He had no, no clue and no idea. And, and my friend, to a certain extent, you're ignorant too. You don't know until you experience him. Until you start to pray that little prayer of, of just a little bit of faith. Until you start to read God's word in a, in a serious and an, and an earnest way where you really desire. That's how you begin to have the knowledge and, and the, the knowing of, of, of Jesus Christ.
The other thing that stands out to me about this um, growing in Jesus Christ, we talked about that, that, that growing in Jesus Christ is about increasing knowledge of him. The other thing in her account, and here I see it reflected in verse 9, is righteousness. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I think in one sense we understand this clearly and doctrinally as the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, that he has died on the cross, he has taken our sins, he's dealt with them. If we believe in him, we are justified before God. We understand that clearly. The the Bible teaches that, but to leave things there in the sense of some sort of just a transaction, you know, something's done, I walk away, that, that, that just, oh, it sells this so short. We're talking about a, a real living righteousness, a righteousness that comes out every day in, in, in how you live and how you, you interact. And that's what growth in Christ is about, a righteousness which is through the faith of Christ, that operates, a righteousness that operates through my faith in Christ, that I become more righteous and more sanctified, more useful as I believe in Jesus Christ, as he directs me and does and tells me to do the things that, that he wants me to do, to leave the things that are useless and, and, uh, and feeble and pursue the things that are valuable, that are purposeful to him. And that was in Isabel's life too. She quotes, let me find here, just a, a couple of anonymous couplets which I think capture this. A taper, just before I read this, a taper is an old world word for a candle. Who extinguishes their taper till they hail the rising sun? Who discards the garb of winter till the summer has begun? And then she, talk, she quoted that in one chapter and then began to talk about the different tapers that were extinguished in her life. The things some of them which were actually, you know, not bad, not, you know, other people, there was no big issue. People weren't shaking their fingers at her necessarily, but she realized that in the light of the sun, these things have to go out. In the light of the glorious gospel and, and the fact that they are now inhibiting and impinging upon my knowledge of Jesus Christ, they got to go out. They got to be extinguished. And there were things... I don't know, I hesitate even to list, but you can read the book yourself. And, and you, to you, maybe, oh, it doesn't seem that bad or whatever, but it's clear as she leads, as, as she ex- uh, tells you her walk with the Lord, her conversion, her consecration, that, yeah, it's clear, these things have to go. And, and my brother, my sister, my friend outside of Christ, what needs to be extinguished? See, we can't get the order mixed up. We can't think, I need to get rid of a few things. I need to clean this up. I have to get rid of that. Once that's out of the way, then I will be acceptable to God and and I will be walking on the right way. That's not the way it works. It's by the faith of Christ that as you believe in Jesus Christ, what he has done for you, then things start to become not so important, not so that distraction. One she related was romantic novels, that she loved a good romantic novel, especially when there weren't other people around and, and she wanted to fill her time with something and, and just to, to, to read. Um, and just she had an experience where as she stayed up late one night reading, and I had that, I've had those experiences too, the next morning the word of God just seemed flat. 
and stale and not living to her. And she relates, uh, she had a bus ride to her place of work. She spoke to the Lord. She had a, a time with him and she asked him, Lord, is, is it because of what I was reading and my, my state of mind? And, and his answer to her was, try it and see. And so she put away. She said, I'm not going to read those books anymore. And they weren't bad books. They weren't. And the word of God came alive to her again. It became real. And, and this, is, this is the life of uh, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, as I realize more about him and what he, what he is about, what he wants to do in my life. See, that's a big thing, too. The, the, the knowledge and the, the belief, the trust that God has a plan for your life. And by that, I don't really mean the outer things. Though I believe God has control of those and he is using those things, our job and who we meet and where we live, all those things, the outer things. I'm talking about the inner things. Ephesians 2 says that we are foreordained. God has foreordained us to works of righteousness. That God has a plan. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There is a plan for me, a plan of works, of good works. God has a specific plan that of the things he wants me to do, the way he wants me to grow in him, who he wants me to become. Very specific, very detailed, and that's the really important plan. And this outer stuff, how God is going to use that, maybe my focus shouldn't be so much on that, it should be more on this plan, that he has a plan for me, a specific plan. And I'm excited to see how that's going to be formed. What's, what, what is God going to do in my life to make that happen? So this righteousness, which is by faith of, of, of Christ, seeing that in, 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 in Isabel's life as she related it. Uh, I think maybe the last thing I, I, I see here is that a life of growth in Christ, this knowledge of Christ, and it's, it's a, a righteousness and a sanctification that grows, that's kind of internal, but then it's a life that spills over and it touches other people. And that's where Paul kind of ends up in this end of chapter 3. He says... Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have in us, for an example. He actually says he wants others to follow his example. The, the life that he's living, the, the, the pursuit of God that he is pursuing, is not some solitary, uh, private thing that I don't really talk to others about. It's something that he, it has to spill over. It has to pour out into the lives of others. And it's really nice to see in that account of Isabel how others came along, um, some lovely, godly, older women that just, um, and men too, that were the right place at the right time that spoke those, those words of wisdom and love and grace to her that you can see the path of her life. She said that was a, a turning point. After that, that encounter changed. It, I went this direction. I went here and I did that because of those words that were spoken, the love that was shared. That when, when she shared a dilemma she had, you know, at the time, I don't know if you ever heard of the science, it's a pseudoscience of phrenology, where 
where uh, back in the, in the teens and 20s, they claimed that they, by studying your head and the bumps on your head and the shape of your head, they could tell you things about yourself. And of course, that's nonsense. It's pure nonsense. But that was a thing then. And she had an opportunity, a friend of hers, a famous phrenologist was coming over and there was a one night opportunity, but it was on a Sunday. And the place where she was staying, she was worried that she was gonna offend her hosts if she went there on a Sunday. So she asked them, what should I do? Should I go to this phrenologist because I'm really struggling with my career and I don't know what I should do and maybe he'll help me. And thank the Lord, those hosts of hers, they were godly people. And the one godly person just said, I don't think it matters much whether it's on a Sunday or not. What matters is that God has a plan for your life. And in my experience, that plan has been revealed through the Bible. And that was enough for her. That, would, that undid. By the end of that encounter, she was sobbing and realizing that the love of God had pursued her. She didn't need to, to miss this silly opportunity. She, she was happy to miss that silly opportunity. Anyway, what I'm saying is a life of growth in Jesus Christ is a life that affects others. It's a life that spills over to other people. It has to. And prayer, again, huge Hudson Taylor, I think he was the one who, who, who started the China Inland Mission in the 1800s. He, his motto was something like, move people, affect people through prayer or something. I can't, I'm misquoting it. But basically, his, his, if he wanted to influence or affect someone else, it was first through prayer. He would pray to God. He would pray that situation through. He wouldn't try to manipulate, wouldn't try to use, tried, wouldn't try to make eloquent words, put them together. He would go to his father and would pray. And that was the example given to. Like, this is the life of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Prayer, reading, hearing him, living with him. This is the life I hunger for. This is the life that I want, that, that I desire. And my, my, my brother and my sister, I pray the same for you. My friend outside of Jesus Christ, I pray the same for you. You would realize that there's nothing else in life that's worth. Paul said, I count it but dung. All of the other stuff, all the stuff that you think may be important. You think, oh, this is, this is a matter even of life and death. No. Beside Jesus Christ, next to Jesus Christ, it's dung. It's trash. It needs to be thrown out. Oh, but Jesus Christ, the treasures, the, the wisdom that is in him. That's what Paul could say. He counted it. When he started, I don't know how many years it was ago, 20-some years before he wrote this, and now he's writing it in a prison cell with Roman guards looking over his shoulder, and he says, I still count it. I count it all but loss. It's been worth it, every moment of it. My prayer is that we would find the same, that we would be inspired by the same. Let me read that uh, short stanza which, with which uh, Isabel Kuhn opens her, her, her book. It's by John Oxenham. The ways. To every man there openeth a way and ways and a way. And the high soul climbs the highway and the low soul gropes the low and in between on the misty flats the rest drift to and fro. But to every man there openeth a highway and a low and every man decideth the way his soul shall go. Are you on the misty flats today? My brother and my sister, my friend outside of Christ. 
or are you pressing on the high road? That's the, that's the road that Paul is on here in verse 12 and 13 and 14, the, the high point of this chapter. Where he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's on the highway. His face is turned up towards the, the light, towards the sun. He's not befuddled and confused about, well, what should I do? And mm, just go along to get along and whatever. Come out. Come out from the, the mist and the confusion and, and walk close with God. He has amazing, amazing experiences for you. New vistas, new things to experience, and you might never leave. Your, your outer life may never, you know, change dramatically. You may not go to China or whatever it may be, but the inner life will then spill out to the outer. May we hear that calling of our Lord to come to the highway, to come on the, the road that leads towards his city. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Can you imagine that day when all of this and what we experience here now gets changed to be like Jesus Christ? According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And I say to you that that working of Jesus Christ has to start now in me and in you to subdue all things unto himself so that one day that same working will change this vile body into a glorious new body. With that, we commend you to God's care and keeping this coming week. Conclude our service.